and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, baby. Just me and Stan this week. Jim has actually gone to Stockley Park in search of a good referee, Stan. He has, yeah. He's been there for nearly uh, nearly three months now and he's still not found one. Um, so he said he's, he'll let us know as soon as he finds anybody that's capable of uh, using VAR properly. But he's still going. It's, it's weird how when you become affiliated with refs and you're around them a lot more where his hair's actually started falling out. I don't know if that's due to hanging around with Howard Webb a lot. Uh, yeah, either that or it'll be the um, the nuclear explosion that happened at Stockley Park 25 years ago. So it'll be one of those two things. Maybe the radiation in the air. Or it'll be uh, family genetics like his dad. Anyway. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 Moving on to genetics and stuff that is definitely in the referee's DNA mistakes, the riddle with it, Stan. We were talking off mic about where to start and we did agree that the place where the most fast took place, it was at the Emirates, Arsenal versus Brentford. And you brought it to my attention, the Brian and Burmo challenge initially, and then we'll talk about the Ivan Tony bullshit towards the end. Yeah, so... Um... Obviously, with it being the one that went against Arsenal, you've got a lot of talk. I mean, there's, there's arguably three, actually, in this game with the Nketiah handball later on, where he, where he falls into it or does whatever he does. I mean, that one easily could have been stopped and given. So if you're a Brentford fan, you're a bit gutted with that one. But the Inbermo one as well, I mean, it's a ball going through. Gabriel clearly slips, but because Inbermo seems to be near, uh, he does end up scoring Inbermo as well. He end up not giving the goal. He end up giving a foul on Gabriel, which uh, PGMOL have come out and apologised, saying it was the wrong decision since. Uh, but then on the flip side of that, the Ivan Tony equaliser, um, they basically just forgot uh, the offside rule for a freeze frame uh, and allowed the Brentford player, I think who was actually the one who assisted it in the end, uh, just to be offside uh, and then assist the goal for Tony and just forgot. Again, PGMOL have come out there basically saying it was human error that they forgot to uh, draw the lines uh, on on that one. So, you know, a multi-million pound, multi-billion pound corporation in the Premier League, multi-million pound piece of kit in VAR, but, you know, they just forgot to draw the lines on and, and that's it. Both teams will probably be looking at that game thinking that they've dropped two points in one way or another, but they've got to share them. And yeah, we fucked up a few times in that game, but sorry, lads, it's a point each to buy. You know, Brentford want to want to push for the European places, which would be incredible. Probably, well, it will be the first time in their club's history. And obviously we know with Arsenal are pushing for their first uh, Premier League title in, in two decades. So, you know, not much on the line for either of those clubs. Uh, and it's just a bit of human error. So deal with it. Yeah, it's mad, but what what is mad as well is the amount of human error that's all happened on one weekend, and you better believe it, listeners, but we, we are going to get into it. And I think naturally we're going to segue into the other dubious decision in this one, where, again, they're looking in the wrong places, aren't they, Stan, the officials, and somehow Norgard has not been flagged for offside, and watching this as it was happening... You can see it with the naked eye and it's almost like, where are you looking? Yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, you could even argue that Ben Mee was offside from the ball that first came in, never mind the one that Norgard ended up being, uh, and he ended up challenging for the ball, Ben Mee, and he was offside when it was cleared. So we've seen them disallowed. That one wasn't even checked. Norgard wasn't 
respect. I mean, it's unforgivable to get the lines wrong, but not even check it and put any lines down because you've not even clocked his offside is even worse. I mean, like I say, the things that are on the line, you're coming up to the last 15 games of the season, which we know are so important, especially for Arsenal in that title challenge. They need as many points as they can get with Man City winning as well. Um, yeah, honestly, just huge decisions that you can't afford to get wrong. Subjective ones, okay, they can go. They might go one way for you next week, and not you know they'll go for your way the week after. But offsides, we've learned over the years since Far's come in that it's not subjective; it's black or white, and we've come to appreciate that and come to accept that you know he's half a foot offside. At first, it was annoying, but now we know that it will probably go for us as well. But when they're not even drawing lines, never mind drawing wrong, lines wrong, which we'll come on to again that happened. You know, on the same three o'clock kickoffs in a different location, uh, it's just unforgivable. Uh, it really is. It is, and again, we said off mic that there's only so many times we can say how shit VAR is, and I don't even think that I'm gonna double down on that. I'm actually gonna say it's the people in charge of VAR, and that's a an entirely different subject that we could spend all day on. But I just think for, for this goal, I can't believe that it's not been given. If you're an Arsenal fan and you lose the title by by two points that you've dropped in this one, you're absolutely gutted. And you look back at this game and think, we actually have been screwed. And going forward, you just you just can't trust them, can you, to make the right decision? Because we have the best players in the best league and we have the poorest officials. And I think that it's it's I'm glad to see that people like Danny Murphy are calling these people out on match of the day and actually saying who is responsible by name. And I think this is the only way that we're going to have people held accountable because there's a lot at stake and there's a lot for people's livelihood and fans that like Brighton, like you've already mentioned, they can they can go for Europe and an official could potentially yeah. put that up. Yeah, I mean, if you're Brentford or Brighton, which we'll talk about, if you end up missing out on Europa League conference, which obviously the big six fans won't want, but if you're Brenton or Brenton, Brentford or Brighton, and you miss out on that, I mean, that's it's a, not only is it a huge amount of money, but just being in, in a European competition as them, who've both been promoted to the Premier League in the last five, six, seven years, so they're still a fairly new Premier League teams, um, you know, to... to to be challenging for Europe and to possibly get in, but also to possibly miss out from these types of decisions. It's huge. But um, yeah, I do agree with you. It's not VAR, I don't think. It's it's a huge piece of kit. And I honestly don't think, they either don't know how to use it or they're incapable. And both of those are, are massive issues because, I mean, Premier League clubs aren't allowed to do it. How many times have we seen, uh, I mean, Tuchel and Conte got uh, for shaking their hands. You've seen... Uh, uh, Players, uh, players and clubs being fined for uh, lo- losing control of players, crowding the ref, whatever. Palace and United have just got one. It's happened to Arsenal a few times this season. Arteta's had one. Tuchel had one. So everybody can't, you know, you can make these little mistakes that, I mean, for that, it doesn't even affect the game. And you, you get a fine, you have to answer a question. I mean, Guardiola um, has had to be absolutely pummeled in his recent interview where he didn't ask him any questions about the game. It was all about this investigation. And he's going to sit there and answer it in front of a room of, of uh, journalists. But these referees and, and PJMOL can just announce the next day via Twitter that they got it wrong and then we've all got to move on. Like Howard Webb doesn't have to have a press conference. The referees don't have to answer anything after the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it would be good if they took some ownership. Could they be microphoned up? Could they? Will he have to have uh, interviews after the game? Where I mean, players, if they miss penalties and stuff, they have to 
uh, have interviews or if you miss a big moment they have to and they'll get asked or oh, that moment do you think it cost your team they've got to answer difficult questions in the heat of the moment but referees get away with it time and time again so I think it's about time something changed and we threw them into the uh, into the limelight yeah definitely and I think that something that definitely needs to be put in the limelight is Brentford they're now 10 unbeaten in the Premier League they asked Thomas Frank about that at the end of the game and he said that usually this is this is only something for the big teams and long may it continue for Brentford. And I think that he's doing a really good job there and I just thought that that needed highlighting really. But something else, Dan, that definitely needs highlighting is as we move over to the Southampton Wolves game, Nathan Jones has been sacked by Southampton. I think that this was a massive mistake and again, we could speak for ages about this. He said at the end of the game, Stan, that when they went down to 10 men, Wolves, he was apprehensive because in his mind, it became a free hit for Wolves. And if my manager's thinking like that, he's apprehensive after a team goes down to 10 men at home, then I'm, I'm really worried. Yeah, I mean, what what he said after the, uh, I can't remember who they got beat by, but what he said about basically saying, you know, I've not been doing what I'm doing. I've, I've pandered to these Premier League players and whatever, almost passing the blame on to them, not coming in, doing your own thing. And then, like you say, after saying, oh, well, I know they got sent off, but maybe it wasn't a good thing because it made it effectively all the pressure was on us and they had nothing to lose. I mean, if you want to look at home against a team with 10 men, I don't care if you're bottom of the league, you can't go and lose that game. It just can't happen. Uh, so I'm not surprised he's been sacked. Uh, I did see a stat where I think there was 12... Different managers have played a game at St Mary's this season uh, and only uh, Nathan Jones hasn't got a win out of all those managers. So uh, he got one one win and it was Everton, which I'm sure Everton fans won't be too pleased for me reminding them, although you never know by the time this comes out, you could have just won at Anfield and, and beat Arsenal. So I'm sure you won't care. But yeah, that's the only game he won. Uh, I think it was eight games, seven losses and a win or something awful like that. I mean, like I say, complete waste of time. And the links are that they're going to Jesse Marsh. But I mean, going back to another decision in this game, the red card, Lamina was booked uh, and nothing challenged really. It was just a foul for the second one. But because Neves goes over, Moutinho goes over and Lamina goes over. And because he's the third person, this is what Ruben Neves has told us, because he was the third person to go over, he gets the booking. Now, Again, I don't know how many times me, you and Jim say this every week, but we we watch numerous games of football a week over 20-odd years of our lives and I've never known that if a third person comes over, they get booked was ever a rule and I'm not sure it actually is. So, again, awful... Uh, awful refereeing, awful uh, interpretation of the rules, should we say, because I've never heard of it being the third person. What about the fourth person? Does he not get a yellow? Is it every third uh, in the times table? Does the sixth and the ninth and the twelfth, will they end up getting booked as well? I mean, what, what is, what's the rule? What do you think about that? Do you think he just made it up because it was he was booked and he could have made a, a deterrent by sending him off to stop people running over? Or what do you think? Do you know what I genuinely think? I think, <laughs> I think he just thought I'll make a statement here with a yellow card and I genuinely think he forgot Lamina was already on a yellow because it was in the first half as well it's something we've never we never really see anything like that we've never seen something where it's the third man bullshit and that's like you said it's not a rule and what about what about the first person that comes up to him that's not the captain that's going to complain surely that's the, the logical thing if you're going to implement such a petty little rule anyway but 
I just think that Lamine is so unfortunate with that and the fact that they can't even appeal it because it's two yellows. And imagine if they lost that game. It's it's just pathetic officiating. And I just think he's he's that shit an official. He forgot that Lamina was booked and then immediately thought, I'm going to have to send him off here because well, yeah. hands are tied. I mean, I agree with you. I think if the rule is going to be anything, it has to be the first person that goes over that isn't the captain because... If he's, we know the captains can go over, but if you're the first player, you're not the captain. It's caused other people then to run over. You've started, you've in essence started that kind of you know crowd around the referee. So it's got to be you that that takes the yellow, or you book all of them. I mean, it's, to just book the third person makes no sense. But it didn't affect the result in the end. Wolves ended up winning. I know they they won't have Lamina for the next game, but if you're one nil down away from home within, it was only half an hour or so in. You end up getting the win. I mean, brilliant by Wolves and by Lopetegui, who were, uh, I mean, a month a month or two ago before the World Cup, before he came in, you were looking at the. You know, I don't know how they're going to score goals and get, you know, and, and be safe this season. But again, uh, another team that's that's put a, a decent run together and seems to have bought themselves a. A bit of breathing space there, but another poor decision. I mean, where do we go next? Should we go to to Chelsea Cup? I've done a lot of talking, so I'll open the floor up to you. It was one-one, early kickoff at the London Stadium, and uh, I can't remember who shot, but I remember who saved it, and it wasn't Lucas Fabianski. It was Thomas Suchek. I mean, talk us through this one. How do you feel about this one? It was it was Conor Gallagher that had the shot, mate, and it was I genuinely was in the pub with you when this happened with a load of other people and I literally couldn't believe that it wasn't given as a penalty this. And I had Dunny sat next to me telling me how stupid it was for thinking that it's a, it's not a penalty because he's falling over and that's where his arm is. But why is he on the floor? He's about 10 yards away from the shot. Declan Rice is about to block the shot. Sojcek is literally about 8 to 10 yards away and there's no need for him to be on the floor. He's, he's just doing it to make his body bigger, to make the target yeah. smaller for Gallagher and it's clearly a penalty it genuinely is a penalty yeah to, to be fair at the time I agreed with Dunny I thought it's a natural position but since looking at it his arms further out than it, it probably would have been naturally and like you say he's 10 yards away from the ball there's no need for him to be going down and putting his, his arm down there um, and it was definitely going on target you know whether it was going in is another story but that doesn't matter yeah. uh, it was definitely you know yeah. denying of a, a goal scoring opportunity I mean the fact that they've looked at that and not given it when again I feel like I say this every week we'll probably go and watch the R12 next week that'll happen and they'll give it as a penalty and it'll be a different referee and again that's cost Chelsea two points there which you know, we laugh, but that could be the difference between kick-starting kick Chelsea's uh, season getting that win away at at London Stadium there and getting you know the signings involved that they have right. now maybe having a run with James and Chilwell and that back in the side you don't know if you can go and push on for those European places but it just again I mean I was going to say it feels like every week it was one day all this happened like we've not spoken this is all on Saturday just gone that this has all happened and we've not even spoke about everything so yeah crazy crazy no it's, tr- it's true and it genuinely it's obviously these officiating mistakes can all affect the people in different ways and we've spoke about Brighton and Arsenal's title implications but for Chelsea this can potentially set Chelsea back from a one-year plan where if we get in the Champions League everything's rosy as opposed to it will be a two to three-year plan if we finish in the Europa League or God forbid the Conference League so it, it genuinely can have a ripple effect on clubs in completely different ways and I just think for 
the, I just I just couldn't believe this wasn't given, and I I, I genuinely was thinking to myself, I'm not mentally here, am I? Like he, he he has just made his body bigger and done that because I literally yeah. had everyone around me telling me how stupid I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it was. I don't understand how that wasn't given. Uh, and like I say, cool. we'll probably watch a game next week and it will be given. But I mean, we've spoken about them. We'll, we'll go on to them. Uh, Brighton as well, big game for them at Palace. Um, and they had a goal disallowed. And uh, I mean, I, sp- I kind of spoke about it before where the lines were put down here, but they basically missed... Uh, they got the lines wrong, to be honest, which again is, is unforgivable. But for some reason, we're just expected to forgive it when they come out and make a statement that they were wrong. But they got the offside lines wrong, and the goal was disallowed. And I know they ended up going one nil up, but ultimately they they drew the game one uh, one. And on another day, that goes in. Obviously, they get the second. Palace, I think we said, hadn't had a shot on target, uh, and then the first shot on target went in, and, and you know, huge. It's 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 a game of there's a reason we say it and that's because these decisions uh, can completely change the momentum of games I mean that probably gave Palace lift and uh, obviously it ended up meaning that they went on and drew the game but it's just crazy that all this happened in every single game this weekend there was probably something that you look at and you go they could have easily overturned that and they probably should have overturned that or they've got something wrong as simple as not drawing the lines or drawing the lines wrong so it's crazy every game this weekend you could argue yeah, pathetic lad. Especially for the amount of time they they take on these things. If if they literally had like a a stop clock where it's like, okay, you have two minutes or a minute to make this decision, but you literally can take as long as you want, and and you've put them in the wrong places. And there's more than one person there. And I know we've said on the pod, just as we're we're finally winding down with the VAR mistake segment, because there has been so many, and it is just draining for us to to talk about i know people like listening about it because they love like obviously complaining but it's rightfully so like we are rightfully complaining about this one and you are going to take forever in a day if you're going to take that long then at least get it right and like we said it's fine margins esther pinion it was a great finish to be honest with you and i just think that brighton were really unlucky and to put this on the flip side McAllister could have definitely been sent off i don't know if you've seen that tackle no i've not seen that one no there was probably too many for, for this one to come up on Twitter anywhere. They were too busy showing all the other mistakes, I think. Yeah, it was it was very much in the orange card category, but it was it was it was one of them, lad. It could have gone either way. You've seen them give him, put it that way. But yeah. It's it's shocking. And and just as we're like I said, just as we're finishing off air stand, I'll ask you the question. Do you think it's time that the Premier League ventured out of England to get some referees? <sighs> I think it is, yeah, but I'm not even sure there's any obvious ones across Europe that we could go and pin. I don't think it's as simple as signing a player because they belong to the FA of that country. But, I mean, we spoke before, Jared Gillett's come across and he made the uh, Mario Lamina second yellow. So is it even that simple? I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know how they fix it. I think maybe referees taking accountability with uh, maybe not press con- maybe press conferences if it goes as badly wrong as this. Howard Webb, the head of head of PGMOL, uh, he might have to, or head of referees, whatever it is, referees association, uh, he might have to, you know, have, do an interview. Or I think maybe after the games, I think referees having to do an interview would mean that they take accountability of any wrong decisions, just like I said before, players who make 
errors for penalties or missed penalties or huge chances or whatever. They have to do interviews after the game. They can't shirk and hide. They've got responsibilities. And I also think it might help us uh, with the interviews and maybe if the mic's up just to hear the thought process whilst they're going through it, you know, to create that transparency between, uh, you know, the viewer and, and the referee. They have it in rugby league and other sports. I think it would be very good for football to at least, even if you don't agree with it, understand what they're trying to look at and why they're trying to look at certain things. I think that rather than the personnel route, I think they need to kind of look at what they've got and how they can improve it through other ways than just directly replacing referees. Yeah, I was thinking more in terms of if we could potentially have, obviously with the Premier League being as global as it is, putting out a system where let's say in five to ten years' time we get the fruits of the labour of maybe setting up refereeing courses in different countries and in that space of time it's not a problem we're going to solve overnight but eventually it will get solved if we you know are being proactive and reactive and let's say we do put these refereeing courses in north america south america africa all these different places in in even in europe then we we will get a better standard just because we're covering more of a, a surface and i think genuinely in maybe 10 years we'll see the fruits of that labor but if you don't do anything, then nothing's going to happen. And I just think that it was the head of the 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 VAR that was at the Chelsea game and did say that Solchex wasn't a handball. So I don't even know where you fucking start, lad. Yeah. As they say, Cook, nothing changes if you change nothing. Okay, listeners, that music can only mean one thing. It is, of course, bet of the week. And we've been hitting a bit of a dry spell of late, like you virgins that listen to this podcast. So I'm going to give you a winner so you can get back on the horse, go out there and get some poon. So starting off with Brentford versus Crystal Palace, London Derby. We're going to go both teams to score. No draw in that one. Then we're going to head down to the Amex Stadium and we're going to, Double down on that one. We're going to go both teams score. No draw as well in that one. Chelsea versus Southampton. We're going to go Chelsea to win to nil in this one. New manager bounce for Southampton. Hopefully not going to happen in that one. And then we've got Wolves versus Bournemouth. I'm going to go for under 2.5 in that game. So just to recap the bet of the week. Brentford versus Crystal Palace, both teams to score, no draw. Brighton versus Fulham, both teams to score, no draw. Chelsea to beat Southampton to nil. And Wolves versus Bournemouth, under two and a half. And Stan, what can the listeners do with that? They can shove it up their rackers. Okay, listeners, welcome back. The Champions is back this week. I've missed it, Stan. I don't know about you. I mean, you've missed it for longer than I yeah. have. Sorry. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're not in it, but I, I do like watching it. So, and hoping that neither City or Liverpool win it. So, yeah, oh, thanks, that's man. great. That's great being bitter for a, a you know a few months a year. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely healthy. That, but it keeps me honest. Keeps me honest. It does. It does, mate. And anyway, the Champions League is back. The boys aren't here as a three we are missing Jim but he is going to voice note us or just send over his predictions and we are going to predict who's going to go through in the Champions League round of 16 to get a place in the quarterfinals and Stan we're going to start off RB Leipzig versus Man City oh I mean it's got a, a Man City on about 
6-1 aggregate written all over this, hasn't it? Um, so, yeah, it's it's City, clearly, for me. I, I can't go for Leipzig. Yeah, I feel like these have played each other recently and, and Kunku scored an at-trick. At the end, he did. Yeah. I was just, I was when I was saying that, I couldn't remember. It mustn't have been. It must have been last season's group stage, maybe. Uh, I don't think it was this season. Well, it couldn't have been because they wouldn't have been drawn in the next round. So, must have been last season's. Uh, last season's um, group stage. Oh, sorry. The reason I stuttered then. I've got Jim. I've got the results in. It's like Eurovision. This isn't it. <laughs> um, so you'll be surprised to know that Jim has, has also gone for Man City. So there we go. Is it a clean sweep, Cook? It's a clean sweep. I'm sorry, Leipzig. Sorry, Timo. Sorry, Nkunku. But it's a it's a sweep. Right. Where are we to next? We are going to go to the current Serie A leaders, Napoli versus Frankfurt. I think that... We'll start off with me. I think that Napoli are easily through in this one. I think that Frankfurt have bigger things to worry about in the Bundesliga than the Champions League. And I think that Napoli are just playing unreal at the minute, Stan. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think you look at look at the names and, I mean, Napoli are always a bit better, but I think previous years you, you wouldn't be surprised if Frankfurt did a Napoli side, uh, but this Napoli side is different to ones that we've seen for, for years, probably since that Cavani-Lavezzi um, Cavani team. Who was the other guy in that team? Oh, Hamsik, Marek Hamsik, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of, in that team about, about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, that Napoli side was brilliant was brilliant yeah all, all them so it's it's the best Napoli side since that and I think with Ossiemen and uh, Kvarat Shkalia and Kim Min Jae and people like that uh, Napoli will have too much for these so again Napoli for me too and uh, Napoli for Jim as well it's it's another clean sweep I mean I'm waiting for us to all start arguing so am I I'm, I'm waiting for us to all get back in the boardroom apprentice style and see who's, exactly. who's going to chuck who under the board start pointing fingers exactly Jim's project manager that's why he's not here shit out <laughs> but we're going to go to Belgium Stan Club Bruges versus Benfica wow uh, well this is one similar to maybe Frankfurt Napoli where years ago with that you might look and think well you'd think Benfica but you wouldn't be surprised if Bruges did him and uh, I think I'll go with Bruges you know I think they've lost Ooh. Enzo Fernandez. Um I think that's a massive miss and, and although they did well getting through the groups without Darwin uh, Nunez who, who obviously left last summer uh, I think Club Bruges they had a really good really good group stage they've got Bobby P in there uh, and I think they'll do it I think they might be the surprise package for this year so I'm going to go for Club Bruges in that one Nice, Dan. I think I'm going to go for Benfica, unfortunately. I'm going to have to go against you in this one. I just think that they've got European pedigree. They've been here before, and I just think that ultimately they, they might just have enough. Who's Jim gone for before we move on? He's gone for the Belgian Waffles as well, Scotty Parker's Ooh. Club Bruges. So, so there it's you go. 2-1 in that one. You it's got got your with, with Benfica. You got your friction that you desired, Stan, and we're going to move <laughs> over. We might get some more friction here. Chelsea versus Borussia Dortmund, and there's there's no there's no way I'm not going to back Chelsea in this one. So we'll just move on quick for that one. Uh, I mean, it's difficult for me because I don't watch any Bundesliga at all. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm honestly, it sounds mad this, but I'm going to go for Chelsea as well. I don't think Chelsea, well, Chelsea haven't played well at all this season because that's why they are where they are in the league. But I just think, every time I look at Dortmund and I think, oh, they'll do a big team there, or at least a big name, they just roll over. So I'll, I'll go for Chelsea there. And like I say, 
I think James Chilwell, Joe Felix, um, Enzo, people like that being in that squad. Uh, I think they're getting the makings of a nice team now after the three billion that they've spent. So I'll go for Chelsea. <laughs> right, who's Jim gone for? He's gone for Dortmund. He's gone for Bay Bay Bay. More friction. He has for the black and yellow. So Dortmund. Ooh. Well, him and Wiz Khalifa will be happy for that one. So <laughs> moving on, another English side, Liverpool versus Real Madrid. And it's not going well for both of these teams in the league for different reasons. Barca, I think, are nine or 12 points clear, something like that. But Stan, mm. I am going to go for Real Madrid in this one. Yeah, same. Similar logic to Chelsea, but the opposite where Liverpool unlike Dortmund uh, Real Madrid get the job done and they've got that pedigree so I'll, I'll go for Real Madrid there as well I think after what happened in, in May or whenever it was I think Madrid might have the have it over them psychologically as well so Madrid and Jim's gone Madrid as well so it's another clean sweep there Ooh. right then sticking with English sides we're going to move on Spurs AC Milan stand I think my logic quickly Benson Cor out for the season, massive player for Spurs. And I think that AC Milan, again, have got that savviness, that Italian streetwise head. And I think that them and Pioli are going to get the job done. Yeah, I think this is a bit like Benfica Brews, where it honestly could go either way. I think all the others have, have probably got clear favourites. But, uh, I mean... Under two and a half, both legs maybe? I'll go Spurs because I think European teams like having the ball and I think Spurs play better when they don't have the ball as we've just seen against City beating them and then they played Leicester, a team that they'd expect to dominate possession and they got battered. So I think if they let AC have the ball and Kane, Kulisewski, Son, Danjuma, all these are... Yeah. Uh, playing t- to any tune at all, Richarlison too, who I've just completely forgot about. Um, <laughs> I think th- I think they'll get the win. Yeah, so I'll back Spurs there. Super Harry Kane. Nice. Jim gone Spurs. I bet he has. <laughs> Jim's gone for uh, Tottenham Hotspur as well. He so. Spurs, very Spursy. The Patriot in him. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to stick with Milan-based club stand. Milan-based teams in Inter Milan and they're playing FC Porto. I'm going to go with Inter in this one. Uh, ooh, I mean, again, I've no idea how either of them are doing, but I've not gone for Benfica and I always feel like a Portuguese team does pretty well every year. Um, but saying that, I've not gone for any... I'll go, I'll go for Inter. For Inter. We'll back right. Inter in that one. I've not gone for AC, so I'll, I'll put Internazionale in that. And Jim has gone... For the Porto men, the wine and cheese, the port. He's gone for Porto there. So I like it. All right. There we go. I like it. The more more friction stuff. It is. There's there's room for error, which is what we like. That's what we like. Something to talk about. And I think we're gonna get some friction here with arguably the biggest game of the round. Paris Saint Germain versus Bayern Munich Stan. I'm gonna go for Paris Saint Germain. They're not playing well at the minute, but wow. not but nor a Bayern Munich Stan. No, but I, there you don't yeah. have a go. Paris have a go, and they've got Neymar, and they've got Kylian Mbappe, and I think they've. It's going to be a case of if you score six, we'll score seven. But Paris for me, yeah. I mean, I don't think uh, for me it's got to be Bayern because they're a Ooh. team that just get they just get things done at this stage. I think PSG are a bit wishy washy. Um, the wish PSG are a bit wishy washy. Um, 
And I think there's rumours that they might have a few key injuries like Verratti, maybe Mbappe, I think he went off and, and even Messi, the three players, I mean, two of the three you just spoke about, I mean, there's a risk that they might not play whereas I don't think Bayern conceded in the groups. I think if they did it, I don't think any from open play, I think I saw. So um, I think Bayern will do it. They're just stone-cold killers. Uh, and like I say, PSG have always got an early exit in them. So Bayern for me and it's Bayern for Jim as well. So again, We've not gone for the same teams for many there. I think, was it City, Napoli and Madrid? I think we all went for the same. I think that was it. Three out of the eight. So not many at all. Not many at all. We'll bang them on our socials just before the pod comes out. And a nice little graphic so you can see who we've gone for. And keep listening to the cookie pods to find out what the punishment will be for whoever gets this round wrong. Right, listeners, welcome back. Just as we're winding down for the podcast, I have got a Who Am I for listeners, so we're going to get straight into it. Right, I was born on the 24th of January, 1983, making me 40 years old, and I'm retired. 40 years old and you are retired. Oh, that's got to be Manuel Almunia. (laughs) I like the guess, but it's not him. All right. This, This might help you out. In 2006, okay. I was named PFA Scotland Young Player of the Year. 2006. Fucking hell. Uh, uh, Scott Brown. No, he's still playing. He's not 40 either, I don't think. Oh, no, he's not still playing, is he? He's not 40, though. No, he's not 40. And Andy's not Scotty still Brown. playing. But I like where your head's at, Stan. I've played in the SPL, the Championship, the Premier League, and Major League Soccer. Is it Sean Maloney? It is Sean Maloney. Sean Maloney. And the last two clues that he's going to have were, clue number four was I've won five league titles with Celtic, a playoff final with Hull, and an FA Cup with Wigan Athletic. And then the final clue was I'm a former Belgium assistant manager, Hibernian manager, and current Wigan Athletic manager. Yeah, Shawnee. Shawnee Maloney. There you go. There you go, Stan. He's he's been all over the gaff. He has. It was the MLS one. Who did he go and play for? He went and played for Chicago Fire. Yeah, I remember. Then he came back to England after that, after a short stay. He Hull, I think, didn't he? He did, yeah, he did. He did, but Um, we'll move on, Stan. We've got another Who Am I here for you. So you've you've had a taste with Sean Maloney. Okay. I was born on the 26th of March, 1987, making me 35, and I'm still an active player. Okay. Uh, 35... Uh, Chiellini not a bad guess but it's not Chiellini this should help you out I have 10 goals in 33 caps for Scotland I know the Scottish player Um, 10 goals in 33 Uh, and he's still playing Charlie Charlie Mulgrew. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, but I like where your head's at. <laughs> okay. I've played in Scotland in the SPL, the Championship in England, the Premier League in England, and Liga in France. Wow, and he's Scottish. He's Scottish. 
He's still playing. Oh, there's been uh, a couple that's done it. Yeah, it's Stephen Fletcher. It is Stephen Fletcher. The yeah. last couple of clues were: I have two goals in twelve games for Marseille from when I was on loan from Sunderland. And the last clue was: I won the Premier League Player of the Month in September 2012, playing for Wolves. Yeah, wow, what a player Stephen Fletcher was. He's but he's back in the SPL now, isn't he? Who's he playing for? Currently plays for United. Yeah, he's, he's got a little man bun thing with a heavily receding hairline. So respect yeah. that. Yeah, respect as, that. As they like to call it in the industry, as Ian Black has told me, it, that is what's called a skullet. A skullet, right? Where you like can uh, bar, uh, like Baron Corbin. <laughs> yes, like, like Baron Corbin. Corbin. Like Baron yeah. Corbin. What a pull. <laughs> what a pull. <laughs> what a fucking pull that is. Tell you what, Stephen Fletcher and Sean Maloney, I mean... It's a lovely little uh, big man, little man there up front, Maloney off off Stephen Fletcher. It is, mate. And Fletcher, the only thing he could have done is career. I mean, I mean, he still probably can. Maybe not anytime soon. Got not, not making light of the situation, but he could get an air transplant in Turkey. Well, he could. Yeah, I'm sure he could go over there. They've, Galatasaray are always looking for players. So. They are, especially goal scorers. Well, yes. Zaniolo's just gone there, so Icardi and Mertens, why not? Go and, oh. go and join the gang. One Matt has had a lovely hair transplant, so why not? Yeah, yeah going, well, Juan Mata now, he's gone from just a, a complete baldy to, he can, well, he can have many an haircut now. He can have a bowl cut if he really wants one. He could, yeah, super bowl cut. <laughs> Juan Mahomes. Oh, hell. Hell indeed. Definitely hell if you've not got Twitter or Instagram to follow the podcast socials. But if you have, good news for you, you're not a scrubber. So you can follow us using the handle cookiepodcast1. That's for our Twitter and our Instagram. You can head on over to TikTok using the handle the cookie podcast. That's T-H-E cookie podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search in. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Pass the pod on, give us a five star review. If you've loved something, tell us. If you thought something was shit, tell us again. And we're just we're just striving to make better. Just as a reminder, we don't get paid for this. We do it just because we love doing it and we love making these pods and bringing this information to you in a non-serious fashion. So, like I said, thanks for all the support. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. 